And I'm going to continue today. I'm going to conclude our two-part mini-series called You Belong. You Belong, because we, we truly believe and feel and know that you do belong uh, to a, a, a small co- community of believers. Of course, the, the, the things that we talked about last week, the life change. Now, we understand that life change can happen uh, on a Sunday morning. But for that to continue to sustain, you need to be in a smaller group. We always say as the church grows larger, we have to get smaller at the same time. Last week I shared in, in Ephesians 2.19, it says this, You belong to God's family as all God's people do. So let's go ahead and pray over our time in the Word. Now, Father, we thank you that we do belong. Every single person in here belongs to your family, Lord God. Whether they're in the family of God yet or not, or they're considering it, Lord, I thank you. Your word makes it clear, and I hope and pray and ask you that you would help me to make it even clearer today as we get into your word. Lord, I pray that that we would be moved, Lord God, to to, to be uh, intentional about connecting and getting to a close community of, of believers and, and be in relationship with one another the way you have designed it to be. Lord, Holy, we, we, we love you holy spirit we we ask that you would help us lord in everything that we do everything that i say today give us the grace to apply it to our lives in jesus name we pray amen so uh, again last week we kicked off this two-part series called you belong and we talked about i talked about how we need each other we were made to live in this close community i gave four reasons why we need to get connected and stay connected in a close community of believers uh and face life together i was naming a message last week Let's face life together. So if you wasn't here, if you missed, uh, you can go online. You can go on our church app, our podcast. You can go on Facebook. The video will still be up from last week. Uh, and I want to encourage you to, to check that out. Uh, and I want to uh, encourage you to continue not just what you hear, but to apply this to your life. We've really been praying and, and believing for you that you're going to make a decision to do this uh, today in the days to come. So last week, four things I talked about. Life keeps happening. I also talked about how life keeps changing, that life goes on, and that it's your choice how life goes on. You know, we talked about Paul and how everything that he went through, I I read a scripture where he lists all kind of different struggles and trials he went through in different seasons of life, but Paul made a decision that I'm going to continue to serve the Lord, and I'm going to continue to be in relationship with others. And then I concluded with encouraging you to not go through life alone. Remember, I talked about Ruth and how everybody needs a Ruth. And again, I'm not going to get into all of that again today, but I encourage you to go listen to it. But I did say this. If you don't have a Ruth in your life, you can become ruthless. Remember I mentioned that? That you can become ruthless. And that word Ruth actually means tender compassion. I never knew, knew you could use the word Ruth besides for a girl's name, but it's actually a word. That's why if you don't have a Ruth, a close companion that can walk with you to everything, you'll be the opposite of a Ruth and you can get hard. You can, you can go through many troubles in life and it'll be even harder. Listen guys, life is hard enough as it is. Isn't that right? Life's tough enough as it is to try to go at it alone. So look at Hebrews 10.25 again. This is kind of our theme scripture for the last two weeks. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. That day is the coming of the Lord is what he was talking about. Listen, and he wasn't talking about a large group setting like this, but smaller groups. That's what I talked about, that they, the way that they met back then in the early church was they would meet their church meetings were, were small groups of people meeting in each other's homes. And so he said, hey, don't neglect meeting together. The reason he encouraged them to do that was probably because they were being persecuted. And someone was like, look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out. This is too much. And I gave some reasons of why we shouldn't do that. I'm going I'm to elaborate on that a little bit more this morning. 
And then I also shared, I want to share again, Ecclesiastes 4.8 that says this, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Last week I told you what toil means, but I want to give you the definition again because it's so good. It, it helps us to understand the scripture more. The definition for toil is to move or travel with difficulty, weariness, or pain. So what this verse is telling us is that if we travel through life alone, your difficulty, weariness, and pain will never end. It says his toil never, ne- there was never ending because why? He was going after life or, or walking through life all alone. What I didn't mention last week is why was this man not satisfied with his money? It said his toil never ends and he's not content with his wealth. So obviously he was a wealthy man. Why was he not content with his wealth? Well, this is why. Because there's no amount of money in the world that can fill the void that relationships are supposed to fill. There's none. There's no amount of money. You can be the richest person on the planet and that money will never fill the void that's supposed to be filled with intimate relationships. And we know this, right? How many times have we seen in the news over the course of our life multimillionaires, even billionaires that have lived miserable, died alone, and even taken their own lives? Where in, in the world's eyes, it looks like they have everything. They're famous, they're rich, yet we find out they're depressed and they're miserable. Maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons is because they didn't have that close community, that the relationships that they were designed to have. So why do some people walk through life alone? That's my question today. And part two is why walk alone? Why walk alone? Here are some reasons or could be some reasons and some excuses why some people walk through life alone or don't want to join a life group. They're like, man, this is, you know, this is crazy. I know y'all talk about life groups a few times a year. Maybe you just come to this church and you're like, man, I'm just getting here. This is, this is, I want to try to dispel some of these reasons of why we say, one, we don't want to get into a close relationship or join a life group. Number one is stubbornness. It's stubbornness. If you're from Cajun country, another way to say that is tête de, all right? Right? Tête de, stubbornness, hard-headed. That's some of it. But the Bible goes further. Listen, stubbornness is saying, I just don't think I need it. I don't need that, Brandon. I'm good, man. I don't, I don't need to have... I don't need to have this close circle of people around me. I'm good. We think that that we don't need anyone else in our life. Look, man, I show up at church. It's good. I tell people how I hug people. And I go about my life and my week. Some of us like to do stuff on our own. And I mean, in, in a sense, some of that by itself is not bad. I, I'm the kind of person that before I got married and had children, especially right after I got saved, I had separated myself from a, almost all my friends that I, I used to run with. And so I could spend the whole weekend just me, Jesus, and my dog, and I was good. You know, how many of y'all can relate to that? Like, I'm, I'm good, you know, so, you know, but, and that's fine. I mean, part of that is okay, but, but I was also building close relationships with people here at the church. But sometimes we think, man, we don't need anybody else. We're tough. I can do it. I can handle anything in life. <laughs> you know, I heard a story about uh, the, the, the late uh, boxer Muhammad Ali was, you know, uh, a, a, the world champ for many, many years. And he was on a plane one day and the flight attendant was coming to check everybody's seatbelt, make sure it was buckled. And Muhammad Ali's belt buckle was our seatbelt wasn't buckled. And he said, sir, you need to buckle your seatbelt. And he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, Superman don't need an airplane either, so you need to buckle your seatbelt, right? Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, hey, you could be the baddest man alive, right? as he, he said he was at the time. You still need people, right? He still needs some help. We all need help. 
Because this is the truth, people, and especially men. We're going to be, again, I'm excited about Friday night. Thank you all. Some of y'all do- donated some meat. Uh, and, 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 man, we got a lot of meat now. If you want, still want to cook or donate, that's great. But we, the Lord really provided. Thank you. We're going to have a thousand men in this auditorium Friday night. Amen? A thousand men here. And a lot of them are going to think, man, I'm tough. I just came here for that meeting and prizes. I'm good with all this church stuff. But guess what? Guys, and even some ladies, I know some ladies that are some tough cookies too. We're not that tough. And we don't need to act like it either. I'm going to say that again. We're not that tough and we don't have to act like it. Look what the Bible says in Ezekiel 11, 19, and 20. I just read this this morning and I, just, I knew the Lord wanted me to share it. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart. And give them a tender, responsive heart. So they will obey my decrees and regulations. I showed you, I I tried my best to show you last week, biblically, how we were made to live in relationship. And I'm going to do it again today. So listen, when we think we don't need people or or do that, the the, the Bible even says that we have stubborn hearts. And that he wants to give us, he wants to soften our hearts so we will obey everything he tells us to do. And being in close community is one of them. Amen? So that's number one. It might just be stubbornness. Number two might be your temperament. You just might say, Brandon, look, I'm just not an outgoing person. It's just not my personality, you know. I, I would feel awkward going to that kiosk in the lobby and picking up a phone and calling a life group leader that that I've never met before, you know. It's, it's just the way I am. And, and honestly, I don't have much for this but to say, you know what, this might be true. It might be your personality, your temperament might be that. But listen, you still need this anyway. That's why we talk about moving out of your comfort zone. I've heard that phrase since I've been a Christian. I'm going on, you know, 18 years now. It's good sometimes to move out of your comfort zone. Because listen, if your temperament and personality is that I'm not outgoing, if you start getting into relationships like that, guess what might happen? You might become more outgoing. Go figure that, huh? That actually might happen. Where you, you know, God might want to work. And I get it. Some of us are just naturally, you know, just just more reserved and, and are not outgoing. But listen... If you're trying to do life all alone, you need to pray and ask God to move you forward and to go to that kiosk or just, you know, to, and I'm going to talk about, it's not just about life groups. You need to have somebody in your life, but we provide life groups to help you not walk alone. Remember, I'm trying to dispel some of these. Number three, it could be just straight up fear. Fear. If I go to one of these life groups, what will happen? If I call a life group leader or show up to a group, what's going to happen? Some of you have a picture in your mind that when you get to this life group, whether it's on campus or somebody's house, everybody in the group is going to be waiting for you at the door. They're going to pull you in. They're going to put you in a, in a chair right in the middle of the room. They're going to lay hands on you and pray for you till you confess every sin that you ever committed. No, no, that's not how life groups are. That, that's, that's not going to happen, you know. We don't do that till week two. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. We really don't. We don't. I'm joking. So listen, but I, I was there, guys. Listen, I got invited to a life group before I was even saved. And, and, and one New Year's Eve, um, I didn't have any plans yet. I was planning on going to some party or a club or something. And somebody from that life group, it was a young adult's life group, called and invited me to go to this life group where they were just going to be playing games and stuff. And, and man, I was, I was just like that. I was nervous. Like, what's going to happen, man? What's, what are these Christians going to do when I get there? Guess what they did? They loved me and we had fun that night. And that was a, that was a, a big night. That was a big turning point in my life when I realized because in my mind, it was just like, man, Christians are kind of weird. They're kind of lame. I mean, if they can't do all the things I was doing, which I know now is, is sin, how do they have fun? But, you know, I went there that night and I realized that, man, they can have fun. 
without drinking, without getting high, without being out in the clubs and the bar. We would just play games and laughed and, and we had a great time. So I understand. I, I get it. I was there. But guess what? I'm so glad I went to that life group. That was even before I got saved. But wasn't long after that that I ended up giving my life to Christ. Actually, I went do one other event. I think I went bowling with him or something before. You know, you and you also may be afraid. I've been talking about you need somebody you can share with. You might be afraid. Like, OK, what if I go and and and, and I do share some of my my stuff with these people? What what are going to ha- what's going to happen? You know, what can I can I trust these people? And I get it. These are real concerns. You know, I heard about a, a, a story about a group. It wasn't at this church. It's at another church. And this guy, they started getting real, man. And this one guy said, man, other guys, I just want to tell you, all I've been struggling with lust. I've been, you know, looking at some stuff on the Internet I shouldn't be. And, and I just feel like I needed to tell you. The other guy said, man, I, you know, uh, since you've shared that, I'm going to share. I've been struggling with gambling, man. I'm putting my family in a bind, man. And I, I've, I've, you know, I've gone online and spent a bunch of our money and I'm going to the casino and the track. And man, I'm, I, I, but I needed to get this off my chest. Since you shared, I want to share. And the third guy said, man, I just want to tell y'all, I've been, I struggle with gossip and I can't wait to get out of here. And so, <laughs> see, some of you are worried. Some of you are worried you're going to be in the group with that guy, right? Right. That's that's your fear. Is that like, man, I'm, you know, so here's the secret. Share your stuff last. All right. So no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. But no, listen, I'm trying to make light of 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 really of a serious thing. Right. Some fear that we might have. I'm trying to make light of it, but I'm trying to dispel some of these things of why we don't get into relationships. See, we create all kind of scenarios in our mind of all kind of things that are going to happen. And really. It's just the devil trying to keep us from the most important things in our life. We, we, you ever do that? You create a whole scenario in your mind. Like if I go, they're probably going to do this, this, and this. If I call, you know, whatever. But it's really the enemy trying to keep you. Listen with 2 Timothy 1.7. A lot of y'all know this. Powerful scripture. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. That goes back to, you could be your personality. You might be reserved. But it could be a, a spirit of fear and timidity that, that's upon you. But power, love and self-discipline. So if you're bound up in fear to get into a close relationship with a friend or a group of friends or a life group, listen, we need, you need to pray about that. We need to pray. I'd love to pray with you after the service and say, man, let's break that off of you. Fear is not of God, right? And then the fourth thing, maybe we, we're, we're afraid to get into relationships because of our past experiences. Number four is our past experiences. Some of you have been seriously hurt from past broken relationships. I hit on this last week too. Maybe your mom, your dad, your brother, your spouse, maybe a best friend has hurt you, has betrayed you. Maybe you've shared, you know, I made light of that, but maybe you shared something with someone that was dear to your heart. And they went and they did share it with others and they, they broke your heart. They betrayed you. Listen, I, I get it. You, you might be sitting here today and you're wounded and that's why you don't want to be in close relationships. But I want to remind you of this. Whatever happened to you wasn't random. It wasn't random. It wasn't by accident. This is why. It was an intentional play by the devil to keep you from the very thing we've been talking about last week and this morning. See, the the, the enemy has tried to come and destroy relationships in your life because he knows that if you're in in an intimate relationship with the creator, with the God who created you through his son, Jesus Christ, and you have a close-knit group of people around you that love you, you're going to flourish in life. So, of course, he would attack that. And come in and try to cause disruption in your relationships. But instead of putting up walls and saying, man, I'll never be in a close relationship like that again. We need to get healed and allow people back in our lives. Amen. Listen, this is one of the reasons Jesus came, y'all. Whenever he quoted Jesus himself, 
quoted from the book of Isaiah in Luke chapter 4 and 18. Jesus said, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is one of the four major reasons Jesus said he came to earth. Because he knew that we would have broken relationships. We would have busted up relationships. He knew that. And he came to heal us. One for our own well-being. So, But you know what? So we can flourish. So we can trust again. So we can get into relationship again. And the fifth and final thing, and I hit on this last week as well, and it's just straight up busyness. It's just straight up being busy. Some of us don't make time for relationships or life groups because we're so busy. Busyness may be keeping you from the best of a lot of things in your life right now. Maybe busyness is keeping you from a great marriage or great relationships with your kids. Or let me say this. Busyness may be affecting your health right now. You may be having health issues, and it could just be that you're running 90 to nothing all the time, every day. Listen, I heard a stat, or some, I say a stat, but I heard a, a, a medical professional say this recently. He said, you know, everybody's familiar with your adrenal, gland, your, your adrenal glands, and your adrenals, you know, your adrenaline is produced mainly for what they call fight or flight, right? Something's about to happen, and you're getting chased by a bear or something, and you're either going to run or somebody's uh, threatening you, and you're going to fight. You're going to defend yourself or your family. And that's what that God's mainly put that there for, our, our adrenaline, our adrenal glands. Well, I know somebody that, that has adrenal, adrenal fatigue, and this is why. And what somebody said is that most Americans run at that level every day. That adrenaline that's, that's, that was meant for fight or flight is being released on some of those levels almost every day. Why is that? I think just because we're super busy. And you need that to continue going and on. Listen, guys, we, 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 we have to, this is what I believe happens, and I'm guilty too. We have let the things of life set an agenda for us. I will. Thank you. We've let the, the things of life set an agenda for us. And some of them are good. I, and I get it. I shared last week. We're in a season right now where, again, man, we're like, you know, we got, you know, four kids, three different schools, all of them in extracurricular activities. Sometimes I'm going one way, we're going another. I don't see my wife. I really talk to her unless I go home for lunch till like 830, 9 o'clock at night. You know, one of my daughters had, had, had a game last night and, and my wife, her and my wife pulled into the house at 930 last night. And you know what? That's part of it. I get it's good things, but listen, we have, we have said yes to, to everything that, that life in the world wants for us. But listen, you said yes to too much to things that have actually important to you that you've been neglecting. Let me say it again. You've said yes to so much to where you've neglected the most important things in life. And one of those are relationships. Think about that. Even in a marriage, like my wife and I are trying to find this balance because it's great things that we want our kids to be in, in the, all the things that they're in. It's great. We enjoy. We want them. But listen, you know the old saying about we're just like ships passing in the night, right? We got to be careful. You know, especially the relationships in our home. For us men that work all the time and, and then the, the wives are running around, the kids around. We got to be careful our relationships in our home with our spouse and with our children is not affected because it very much can be. But then outside of that, you got to make sure that busyness is not robbing the most important things like relationships in your life. Listen, I want to I want to challenge you today. And Brother Francis used to used to tell me, Miss Babs said when I when when I would get you know was getting mentored by Brother Francis sitting on their front porch, he used to always say, "When you preach, if you make people mad, sad, or glad, you've done your job." So whether you get mad at me this morning, according to Brother Francis, I've done my job, and I believe that, right? 
I want to, I want to challenge you and try to move you today. I want you to do something. I want you to take this challenge. Analyze your schedule. Think about and pray about all the stuff that's keeping you from the most important things in your life, which are your relationships. Think about it. If you're just running from one thing to another thing, and let me say this, part of that is, and, and, and look, and, 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 in our vocation in ministry, I mean, we have meetings all the time. I get it. A meeting with people are here and there doesn't constitute always as relationships. Well, I mean, I've been meeting with people all day, man. I've, I've had like eight small groups today. That doesn't count. So if you're going from meeting to meeting to event to event to, to, to this, to that, and the other, I want you to analyze and pray about it. I, I always believe if I'm obedient to preach the word, if you pray about it, the Lord is going to convict you where need be. Amen? I trust that because the Bible said his word will not go back to him void. It will go out and accomplish it exactly what it's, he set it forth to do. So analyze your schedule. Pray about it if you're lacking good core relationships in your life. If you're saying, I'm too busy to join a life group, God never intended you to walk alone. And deep inside, church, I know you know that. And for even you that say, man, I, I'm, that's not my personality, I believe you truly, really want that. So again, the name of this series is You Belong. We just read in Ephesians 2.19 where it says you belong to the family of God. Look how Romans 12.15 says it. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need me. Now turn to the person who is your second choice and say, you need me. See, everybody got a second choice, right? So you need me, right? The Bible says we belong to one another. We belong to the family of God, but why do we belong to one another? Doug, if you don't mind, put that back up there. Why does it say we, we belong? Because we need each other, right? You know, years ago, uh, a man did a study, and he broke down that and revealed that there are four aspects of everybody's life. There's four aspects of everybody's life. There's the arena of life. There's the mask of life. There's blind spots. And then there's our potential. We believe that life groups can touch on all four of this area. So I want to define, the remainder of our time today, I want to define these four areas and show you what we need to do in each one of these areas. Again, this will reinforce how we need each other as well. Remember, life groups are a great place to do this. So that's the four areas, arena, mask, blind spots, and potential. So what do we need to do? I'm going to give you some action steps here to take away today. Number one, we need to move past the arena of life. So let me define that. What is the arena? The arena is I know and you know, which that means that's the public me, okay? The arena is the public me. So, so you may be our guest today. You may be watching online, and, and, and this is the first time you've heard me or saw me. So this is, this is the arena of my life right here. This is the public me. But there's things inside of me that you, you, you don't see right now, right? You, there, there's things that you might not ever see if you just stay at a level with me where you see the arena. See, what do we need to do? If, if this is the arena of life, just the public, I know and you know, you, you go to work tomorrow, most people at your work, it's just the arena. People in the grocery store, just the, the general Casual conversation or even working is the arena. What do we need to do? We need people who really knows us, who we really know. Look, 1 Corinthians 2.11 says this, For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? In other words, there's a part of every person in here today that we can't see. It's not the arena. There's another part of us that's the inside of us, of what's What's really going on, right? 
There's the arena. And I'll say this. Christians are famous for Sunday morning walking in church. Hey, how you doing, brother? Praise the Lord. All is well in the Lord. That's great. Right? We put on our Sunday best and we put on our, our, our best smile, right? All is well, man. It's great. That's the arena. And sometimes it is. I'm not, you know, if things are great, that's good. But I've been guilty. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. And really, I'm not doing fine. I'm all jacked up inside, right? That's the arena. We need to move past the arena to people that really know us. Listen, the best way to help you do this is in a tight-knit group of people who really know you. And here's the key. Really care for you. Really care for you. I was thinking there's a lady here, here in our church that she, uh, she was sick and she had a procedure done. And um, we, we prayed for her, the pastoral staff prayed for her, but she was going to need some help as she went back home. Uh, and, and she would need somebody need to be with her the first 24 hours. And then the first week she was going to need help cooking and running errands and groceries. And I was so blessed as one of the pastors here to know that there was a lot of ladies, a lot of her friends that rallied around her. And, and matter of fact, even when she came out of that procedure, she texted me from, from this lady's phone and said, hey, everything went well. She's out. She's back home. And that just told me, man, there's, there's somebody else. She has close relationships with somebody that she's at her house and even given updates and reports. And there was, she stayed with her that day or the next day. And she had people all week. This same lady, her mom passed away just a few weeks after that. Found out about it, prayed with her. I showed up at the funeral home, uh, the morning of the funeral. When I got to the funeral home that morning, there was already about four people from family life that were there with her. And I got there and greeted them, greeted her. And right after I got there, another lady walked right in to be with her. There was at least five or six people from family life that were there. And I'm there. They was looking at me like, Pastor, we got it. You know, like, what? We, we good. What does that tell you? Why did she have that? It wasn't because she was just a face in the crowd, was it? No, it's because she had somebody that, that really knew her, that knew what was going on with her. And she built these relationships with these ladies. And in, in, in just a matter of a few weeks, she had two major things happen in her life. Major health issue, had a procedure, and then her mom passed. But she had her core surrounding her and loving on her during this time. So we need to move past the arena of life. Number two, after we move past the arena and we get into that those relationships, we need to take off the mask. We need to take off the mask. See, because the mask is always on in the arena of life. But the mask can stay on as well when you get into the closer circles and into relationships. What is the mask? I know, but you don't know. I know everything that's going on inside of me, right? I know all the junk. I know all the things that I think. Me and the Lord know, but you, you really don't know, right? I know that, like I said, there's some stuff that I have that you don't know about me. You may never know about me, but I have a closed circle that knows. Every one of us has a mask. Everyone has a side of us that nobody else knows. Some of you think the Lord don't even know, but he knows, right? Some people even, even keep it from their spouse. Been married 20 somewhat years and say, I will never tell him or her this. Listen, church, we need to take the mask off. We need to take the mask off. Because this is why. You're really not safe if you're the only one that knows. If you have stuff inside of you, you got major issues going on, you're not safe. Someone else has to know. Listen, if you decide that you don't want to be in a life group, I'm going to just I'll put this. You better have somebody in your life that knows what's behind your mask. If you say, Brandon, I can't trust them people. I get it. You better have somebody. Somebody that knows what's behind that mask. I heard one man of God say it this way. You're only as safe as your secrets. 
Let me say that again. You're only as safe as your secrets. If you're the only one that knows those secrets, you know, Jesus talked about, let there not be any dark corners in your life. Let there be no, I preached a whole message on that on a Wednesday night. Let there be no dark corners in your life. And we see it all the time. We see public figures that come out with things that we're like, what? Man, he did what? She did what? Why? How did that happen? There was dark corners and there was a mask. And nobody, nobody knew what was behind that mask. You're not going to be safe until somebody knows about it. Because listen, when you're the only one that knows your secret, the enemy's coming at you even harder. I love this scripture, 1 Peter 5.18, because there's a, there's a real-life illustration with TV and Internet now. We, we, we have an illustration all the time. We can see this happening in the spiritual realm. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You've heard me use this illustration. You've seen it. Everybody's watched animal shows, right? What do lions do when they're going after prey? Who do they go after usually? The weak and the alone. What they actually try to do most of the time is they try to isolate one away from the herd. And that's the one they go after. They always go after, yes, the weak and stuff, but it's the one that's alone. Either if they're alone already or they try to separate them from it. Isn't it amazing whenever we see what the scripture says? And now in our day and age, people say, oh, man, that the Bible was written for those times and it's outdated. Look how, how th- it's not outdated at all. We can see a real life example of how that happens. But the other thing is true, too. If you watch these shows, when they stay close on the herd, even a lion, even even pride of lions, you know, some of these, if they stay in a herd, it's a lot harder. The, especially the young, they're protected in the herd. There's some, I've seen some, and I love, I love watching animals. How many of y'all like, I love nature shows and animal shows where they've actually got a hold of one that was by itself. It got away and it got back into the herd. And even though it was attacked when it got back in the herd, it was safe and survived. Come on, that's a word for somebody right there. You've been attacked because you're all alone. You need to get back in the herd. And listen, I'm blessed that you're here this morning, but Sunday morning is not good enough. We're all coming to the watering hole, so to speak, like a herd does. But you got to be running with a pack. You got to be you got to be walking with a pack each and every day. So when you're attacked, you have somebody else with you. You know, I heard a story about a pastor that was on a mission trip to China, and he had to leave the group uh, ahead of the group because he had to catch his plane to come back home. And so he was telling everybody goodbye. He jumps in a cab and he's about to take off. And the, his contact in China says, hey, hold on, hold on, pastor, pastor, hold on. I need to show you something. He said, man, I, no, I got to go. I got to catch a plane. He said, no, no, pastor, pastor, come here, come here. I got to show you something. He said, no, man, I, I have to go. He said, pastor, just real quick, come, come see. I got to show you something. He pulls him out of the cab, takes him to the sidewalk, and he says, hey, that's not a real cab. He said, that's the kind of cab that's going to take you out into the countryside, beat the dog snot out of you, and leave you for dead. He said, if this cab would have took off, we would have never saw you again. How many of y'all are glad he wasn't walking alone in that situation? That's a true story. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says this, We refuse to wear a mask and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. Come on, somebody. We need to refuse to wear a mask and play games. You need somebody. I get it. I'm, I'm not going to call you up on the stage and confess, ask you to confess all your sin. I ain't about to do that either, right? I told you I had to apologize to my daughter last night. I'll say when I fall. But listen, that was between me and my daughter, right? And, and my wife and my close circle. I have a close circle that, that knows these things. But we need to take the mask off. 
This will get you free not only from, from wounds and, and, and the, the secrets, but also get you free from the sin that you may be in right now. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, they, though you may be healed. First John says, confess your sins to God and he will forgive you, but you confess to one another so you may be healed. So listen, let me, let me encourage you. It's better to be in relationship with people where you can confess your temptation before you have to confess your sin. Because Jesus said you always have temptation. That, that, being tempted is not sin. Right? Jesus said you're always going to have it. Jesus himself was tempted, yet he did not sin. So I will submit to you again. It's better to be in a close relationship with somebody and say, look, man, I've been struggling, or woman, I've been struggling. If you ladies, you need to have a lady in your life. Men, you need to have men in your life. to Say, I've been struggling with this, man. Can you pray for him? I've been tempted in this area. I've been struggling. Or I've just been, you know, like my wife and I. Like we, when we see when we, we maybe talk to our kids wrong or, or, or respond in the wrong way, sometimes she just gives me that look, you know, like, you need to make that right, right? Or, you know, whatever the case may be, be, you need to be in a close community with people where you can take the mask off, get healed, and get free, right? Our vision here is for you to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. This is what the live free part of that vision is based on, James 5, 16. You get into close relationships, you get into a life group, and you can, it's got to be with people you trust and you love. We're going to talk about that in a minute. It helps you to get free and to stay free. So let's take the mask off, okay? Number three, admit that you have blind spots. Admit that you have blind spots, right? We all, we, I think it's pretty self-explanatory what a blind spot is, but we, we, what a blind spot is is I don't know, but you know, right? Did you know we all have an area like that? We all have an area like that. What's, what's a blind spot, right? Blind spot is the spinach in your teeth, Correct? That's your blind spot. I come up here, hey, good morning, family life. And like, man, you got something like that. You need, to, you need to deal with that, right? We all have blind spots, right? So what do we need? We need people who will be honest with us. Now, again, this goes into that. I just hit on that. Of course, this has to be somebody that you trust and love. Look, I appreciate it. You want to encourage me and stuff like that. But I get it. If you don't trust somebody and they come try to, try to uh, uh, tell you about a blind spot, it's not received too well, right? Let me just say it that way. We need to have people in our lives that we trust and love that say, hey, man, look, you can tell me whatever. Proverbs 26, 7 says, listen to this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful is the guy or the girl that says, dude, you need to stop that. Girl, you need to, you need to get out of that situation or stop doing I'm seeing this and I, I, I love you enough to tell you You need to stop doing this or you need to start doing that, right? Isn't that crazy? Faithful are the wounds. We don't like wounds, right? We don't like, man, why you you told me that? But the the Bible says that your friend is faithful if he's calling out blind spots. Again, if it's somebody you know that really loves you. But the Bible says your enemy is the person that's always telling you you're awesome. Oh, man, you're good, man. You're awesome. Hey, did I kind of talk harsh? Nah, man, they deserve it, man. You're good, you know? No, you don't want to, if somebody's in your life that's always telling you you're great and you ain't got nothing wrong, you need to look for somebody else in your life. Listen, I get it. We all want to be encouraged. I don't want somebody to just always point out my blind spot, right? But faithful are the wounds of a friend. You need this. So listen, don't only admit that you have blind spots, but listen to those who love you and take action when they point the blind spots out. I love how Pastor Larry says, they're not attacking you, they're adjusting you. They're not attacking you, they're adjusting you. How many of us take it as an attack, especially from our spouse, 
Full on war. Draw the line. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you, right? You know, wouldn't you want somebody to tell you if you had a hanger, you know what a hanger is, you know, at your nose? Or if your zipper was unzipped, right? Wouldn't you want somebody to tell you that? This is the way my wife does it. Many times we're sitting here at church and my wife will kindly, and this used to offend me. I used to get, you know, because I was embarrassed, I think, until I realized she's adjusting me. My wife will lean over and say, hey, do you, do you have any gum or any mints? And she's chewing one. So, yeah, you know what she's saying, right? Brother, you need a gum or some mints. That's what she's saying. But she's, she's like, you need a gum? Do you want? Or she'll just pull a gum out and smile and just like hand it at me. I'm like, okay, I got it. But listen. She's not, a, I used to get, that used to offend me. I was, cause I, but the root of it was I was embarrassed, right? But I much rather, and how, I bet even you rather my wife tell me that my breath's kicking and gives me some gum and some mints before I come down here and pray for you, right? How many of y'all would say, thank you, Cassie. I appreciate you adjusting my brother. Amen. Come on. Right? But hey, you need somebody that's going to adjust you. I want to know if my breath is not fresh, right? And I'm thankful that my wife, she is faithful to tell me when it's not, right? Right? And other times she's not. She's like, you want a gum? I'm like, do I need one? She's like, no, I was just offering. I was like, okay, just, just checking, you know? So we need somebody. Admit you have blind spots and not only admit to them, but listen, take action when somebody tells you. Faith for the wounds of a friend. Somebody you love and trust. And if they adjust you, again, they're not attacking you. They're adjusting. And the fourth and final thing, which is, which is a great way to end today, you need to tap into your potential. Tap into your potential. Potential is, hey, I don't know and you don't know. But in Brandon, who knows? Only the Lord knows our true potential, right? I'm so thankful for men and women in my life that has that has seen potential in me and is continuing to, Pastor Ty being the main one, and drawing that out. But the truth is, is that we don't even know my full potential. I don't know your full potential, but the Lord does. But guess what? We have life groups to help you with that, to have people to surround you with that. See, God devised a plan that you would find your potential when you get together with the rest of the body of Christ right? You'll never realize your full potential alone. You will always hit a ceiling that's not even close to your potential. You'll, you'll, you'll never, you'll hit a ceiling. You might like start surging, but unless you have people around you, you're never going to see it. This is one of the reasons we have serve teams. And, and again, we appreciate all of our serve team members. We're going to celebrate you. We're going to have fun in November with our serve team party. And you know what? That's one of the reasons we have serve teams because you get around other people and you feed off of one another, right? Somebody sees something in you and says, man, I, I see this in you. I see that in you. Again, I would not be on this stage today or any of these days the last 17 years if somebody didn't see something in me. And listen. A serve team can actually become your life group. As I was studying for this, I was reminded, and now I've been invited by two of these guys since I wrote this on my notes. There's a group of guys that are going to come Friday morning, and they come early in the morning. Like, they get here, like, I mean, crack of dawn kind of early. And I'm like, man, these guys are here early. They're faithful. They want to serve. But that's not how they start their day. I got invited and found out that at 6 o'clock Friday morning, they're going to have breakfast with one another. It's cooks and other people that are serving for wild game cookout. They come together and they go have breakfast. They're serving together. It's a serve team. But on that Friday, that's a life group, y'all. Amen? It's a close bunch of guys that, that, that want to just fellowship and encourage one another. You know? Uh, uh, there's a man in this, well, he was one of them, in our church that as I was talking to the other day about wild game, I asked him how he was doing. He told me he was recovering from a procedure. And I said, dude. Why you didn't let us know, man? We could have come pray for him and stuff. He said, oh, you know what he said he did? He said, I texted some of the guys that I serve with and in my life group. I texted them and I asked them to pray for me. So 
ultimately, that blessed me. I was like, well, man, we would have came pray or pray with you. Like, nah, man. See, he has those close relationships in his life where it's just like, nah, man, it's, it's good. Those guys cover me in prayer. And that's what we need. That's what we need. This is on serve teams as well. All of us need a place where we can realize our full potential. And it's not going to happen alone. You may start on that track, but that's why we do next steps as well. We do next steps to help you to realize your full potential, to help you find your purpose so you can make a difference on serve teams and beyond. And there's an old Zambian proverb that says, when you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. We want you to run far, church. Amen? Not just fast, we want you to run far. You need people who will grow you. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions, listen to this, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Listen, you can have a lot of companions and it's still not good enough. Well, man, I got a thousand friends on Facebook, right? That's not enough. Man, I showed up here this morning. There's a couple of hundred people in this room. I got a lot of companions. It says a man of many companions can still come to ruin. You need that brother or that sister, that friend that's going to stick closer than a brother or a sister. Amen. One more. I just love this real life example. There was a couple here in this church, and I asked them for permission to share this. Won't share their name. That they left the church for a little while. And they came talk to me and they ended up coming back. And this is what she told me. She said, we had left for a while, whatnot, and, 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 and told me why. She said, but you know what? I ended up going to a wedding where I, I saw some people from family life. And she said, those relationships I had formed brought me back to this church. And they're here today. They're serving today. I mean, not, maybe not today, but they're still they're, they're on the serve team. But it, it wasn't as much as I would have liked to think it was my preaching. And even though our worship team's amazing, it wasn't either of those things. It was the relationships that they had built here. Are y'all following me, church? So I want you to make a decision today. I want to move you to a decision. The most important decisions you will ever make in your life are your relationship decisions. So do you have these kind of relationships? I want you to go ahead and bow your head with me and just close your eyes. And and some of you might know right off, like, yeah, Brandon, I have those people. I'm in a life group. I lead a life group. I have those people outside of life groups at church. That's great. But bow your head with me. Close your eyes. Not companions. You can have many friends, the Bible says, and you can still come to ruin. You can still, your toil can be still endless. But do you have those kind of relationships, a friend that will stick closer than a brother or a sister? If not, I want to encourage you, man, make a beeline to that kiosk. Check out the life groups we have to offer. Go on our website. Go on the church app. If you want to do it digital, you can do that as well. The whole directory is going to be, you might want to lead a life group. Again, or host one. Ride bikes, shoot bows. There was a guy shooting a bow and arrow in there. Man, you, you, you're like, man, I feel like I, I have that, but I need to help other people do that. Ask the Lord, do you have those kind of relationships in your life? And of course, the most important relationship I want to ask you as we close is, do you have a relationship with God? Those are the two most important relationships you can have is a close, intimate relationship with God who created you and loved you and sent his son to die for you. And those that are, that are, that are a close community of born again believers. Romans 5.18 says, yes. Adam's one sin brings condemnation to everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings, listen to this, a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. What was that one act? Of course, we know he died on the cross for our sins, church. Luke 24, 46, and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. And then in verse 47, it says, there is forgiveness of sin 
for all who repent. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to first do some inventory and, and find out if you have those relationships. And if not, man, make a beeline for life groups. But if you say, Brandon, I don't know if I have a right relationship with God. We sang about it. I sensed the love of God, the presence of God. We were worshiping this morning. God loves you, and he wants to be in a relationship. He did everything. He moved heaven and earth, literally removed the king of heaven from the throne and sent him down to this earth so he can be in relationship with you. Do you have a relationship with God? Not church attendance. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. If you say, Brandon, I don't know if I have a relationship. I know I have sin in my life, and, and I don't know if I've been forgiven, but, man, I want to be. And I want to be in a right relationship with God. If you're not sure and you say, Brandon, I want to be sure today before I leave, just slip up your hand. I'm going to pray with you. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm not even going to have you stand up. I see your hand in the back. Anybody else? Ma'am, I see your hand up here. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? I see your hand over here, ma'am. Hand's still going up. Anybody else? This is the most important part of the service right here. I see your hand in the back again. Thank you. Another one. Anybody else? To my left over here. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Say, Brandon, I want to be another hand. More hands going up. Hands going up all over. Thank you, Lord. I see you in the middle. Thank you, man. God bless y'all. Come on, let's pray together. Let's pray. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. And if we confess with our, our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and repent of our sin, as he said, we will be saved and be in a right relationship. So I want to lead you in a simple prayer. If you lifted your hand, we all want to pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you in a close relationship all the days of my life. And show me, Lord, how to be in close relationship with others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give these a round of applause. God bless y'all. God bless you. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the pew in front of you that says, I made a decision, fill it out. Come bring it to one of the pastors or go to the info center. Why don't you stand up? Let me pray a blessing over you on your way out. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these. I pray that none of us, Lord, will walk alone, but that we would all face life together. I pray that everyone in here that doesn't have this kind of relationships in their life, they would be stirred and moved to action to do so today, Lord. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today. I pray you bless them. Be with them as they go, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be down here. If not, we'll see you soon.